Welcome to the Wanting to Wealthy podcast, where we approach financial education in unconventional ways. My name is Ashley Hogan, and if you are looking for a different path to reach your financial goals, you are in the right place. Let's get started. Let's talk about having a baby. When I thought about having my son, I was told that it would be expensive and hard to deal with and I need to save up a lot of money. And I felt like that was consumerism talking. And the reason that I felt that way is because people for um, a long time, hundreds of years have been having babies without a ton of money. And I understand that throughout history, there was a lot of disease and things like that, where we had to worry about um, if the baby was going to live. And the question that came to me was in today's society, where there are things like um, really good medicine and stuff like that, why does it have to be so expensive? And so I started doing some research and my research led me to um, the post-World War II consumerism. Um, we obviously had just gotten out of two world wars and a depression in, in uh, the United States. And we're finally, we've got people at home and we've got people making more money. They have more disposable income. And so a lot of advertising was put out to kind of de-emphasize the class differences um, between wealthy and not so wealthy people. And they even pushed it as being patriotic to spend money. Um, I'll put a couple of resources in here that I referenced. Um, but it created this issue with... Um, pre-World War uh, or and during World War II, where people were um, saving and repairing and continuing to use items uh, until they were long gone and you used what you had um, to, well, it's patriotic to spend money and therefore we should make sure that we're spending money on all sorts of different things. And uh, a lot of time that presented itself in the ways of dishwashers and um, cars and refrigerators and then and washers and dryers and then eventually into televisions and um, all the the gadgets that we take for granted now um, in the 40s and 50s were not everyday household items but it went beyond the items that made daily living convenient to being superfluous, uh, at least in my opinion. And so I did a real quick list. Um, I did a real quick Google search and came up with 7.3 million results when I put the word baby checklist into Google. And when I did this, when I was pregnant with my son, um, I was completely overwhelmed. And the reason I was completely overwhelmed is because why are there 7.3 million lists of what people think you should have to home? And the more I thought about it, the more I went, okay, consumerism has got to be based in here somewhere. And so let's break down the actual cost of prenatal care through say the child's 
um, toddler years. And so when I was doing the math there, biggest cost is actually having the baby because in the United States, we're a for-profit healthcare system. Um, having the baby can be really expensive. You have to meet, if you have insurance, you have to meet high deductibles before, uh, before insurance kicks in. You might have co-pays, um, in most, especially first time pregnancies, um, the doctor wants to see you once a month. And then as you get a little closer, they want to see you twice a month. And then in the last month of your pregnancy, they want to see you every single week. And if you have a copay every single time you go see the doctor, it can get really expensive. And that's if you have a completely uneventful pregnancy. Um, so if you have, for example, I had um, some preeclampsia issues, and so I was in doing extra blood work and protein checks and things like that um, to make sure that I didn't go into full-blown preeclampsia. So I had extra testing that wouldn't have happened if you had, say, gestational diabetes or if your kiddo's not positioned the correct way. Um, they may do more ultrasounds to make sure that your kiddo's... Um, not too big or position the correct direction or whatever. Uh, and that's just going up to having the baby. That doesn't include actually being in the hospital. Um, and if you're like me and had a C-section, that's even more cost because now you're paying for uh, an operation and things like that. And that's only for people who then have a perfectly healthy baby. If you are a person who ends up with a kiddo in NICU, there's even more expenses. So that to me, I think is, is the most expensive part about having a baby, but let's talk about the other things. So with insurance, I would suggest that you call your state program. Um, so I live in Oregon, so Oregon health, um, plan is our state program. And my husband changed jobs while I was pregnant and he uh, didn't have insurance for the first three months at his new job. So I called them and yeah, it's, it's a pain in the butt. Um, I spent an hour and a half on the phone with them the first time. Um, but because of where we were with him not having insurance, I was automatically covered. And so I called them back when we did have insurance and they told me to put them down as secondary. And so I still uh, took a little time investment, but I was able to have a lot less of that financial burden uh, of all my prenatal care to have my son. And then also with his vaccines and things like that because he had um, some low blood sugar issues when he first was born. So we had a little extra testing as well. All of that fortunately was covered um, between our insurance and the state program that we pay into. Um, but that's only gotten pregnant and then having the baby. Now you've got to take it home. So you've got things like car seats and car seats have expiration dates and um you want to make sure that you're getting your car seat from a reliable source and it's really hard to get a car seat sink at hand because if it's not past the expiration date if you don't know the person you don't know whether or not the car seat's been in a car accident or anything like that and you want to do what's best and safest for your baby so you're paying full price for a car seat um 
So that's one thing to look at. And you can look at consumer reports when it comes to car seats. And the most expensive is not always the best. Um, we had a car seat that was just as well rated as everybody else's car seat. Um, but it was just over a hundred dollars and you could easily for an infant car seat spend two or three hundred dollars. It's more about making sure that your child fits properly into it and then also that it's installed correctly. In most places you can go to a um, fire department and they will help you install it or what I did is I went to my to my sister and my brother-in-law helped me install it because they had two babies and so they knew how to install this car seat and showed me how to do it which was really cool um so after you talk about you know the car seat let's talk about um all the other things that that we're told that we need we have to make a decision on um feeding so if you can breastfeed it's not free but it could be a cheaper option or if you choose to breastfeed it could be a cheaper option but then if you're working you may need to have a pump which may or may not be covered by your insurance um and if you do have a pump you will probably need uh uh, milk saver bags for the freezer and stuff like that, which, uh, can add up as well, but it's definitely something you can ask for on your baby registry. Um, so when building a baby registry, I, th I think that the answer is to be really practical, uh, as opposed to what most people want to do where they want to buy the cute clothes and they want to buy the cute blankets and things like that. So what ends up happening is you end up with a whole bunch of clothes and then you don't have nipple cream. You don't have, uh, milk saver bags. You don't have bottles. Uh, and, or if you're going to have, um, if you're going to need formula and that may be a preference, it may be something that you have to have. I ended up having to buy formula ask your pediatrician for formula samples because, um, my son had a sensitive stomach. And so I was able to try different formula samples before I went out and bought a bunch of formula that he may or may not have been able to consume. Um, so a free way to figure out what formula is best for your kiddo is to ask the, the pediatrician for formula samples. Um, so we've talked about, prenatal, we've talked about insurance, we've talked about feeding, uh, let's talk about uh, maternity leave. Uh, so right now, at least in the United States, you can use your vacation or sick pay, or you can take up to 12 weeks with the Family Medical Leave Act. With the Family Medical Leave Act, there is nobody handing you money. You don't have money coming from your work or anything like that. So you have to save money for that situation or go back to work early or, um, not go back to work at all. Um, I was very fortunate in that my husband, um, works a full-time job and I can work part-time and I can work part-time where my parents are, are watching my son. So I'm not paying for childcare, but I know that's not the response. That's not the option that everybody gets. So I, really uh, have people look at the numbers and crunch your numbers. If you need to work for your mental health, do that and pay for childcare. If you are stressing about it because you don't want to work, 
do the math and see if you are, if you don't have your paycheck anymore, you or, or your significant other, whoever wants to stay home, um, how much would you be saving by not putting your children in childcare? And I've had several people tell me that they were paying, they were working and their entire paycheck was going to the childcare provider and they didn't like their job. So why not save the money and stay home? If you're going to be paying, if you're going to be working to pay for that childcare anyways, you could just be the childcare provider. Then you can spend more time with your kiddo or kiddos. You can um, take care, take advantage of free programs. Um, granted, we're in COVID, and so a lot of things are online right now. But even like my local library had a kids um, a story hour, and they've just moved that to online. So now I can do the story hour with my son but we're doing it from an online platform. Um, a lot of places, especially going into September, are going to have free resources um, like Music Together in Portland. Oregon is going to have a free music week here uh, in a couple of weeks where your little ones can do some online music programs or going to the beach or going to the mountains and doing a little hike or um, going to a farm. There's lots of, of different things that you can do where your child's still getting some social interaction with social distancing um, and still potentially getting to interact with other kids depending on your comfort level that doesn't have to cost a lot of money uh, if you choose to, to stay home and um, you don't have to. When I say stay home, it doesn't mean you have to stay home. It means you're choosing not to work. Um, but definitely try and safely go and do and expose your child to new and fun things. A lot of people with farms are happy to let you come and look at the horses or look at the cows from, from the side of the fields. And the kids get a total kick out of that. Um, so talking about maternity leave um entertainment and development there's a lot of people this is kind of going into what I was just talking about there's a lot of people that say you have to have this toy you have to have that toy I can tell you my my son is now 21 months old and his favorite favorite toys are rocks and sticks when we go outside, he picks up rocks and he picks up sticks and he describes the rocks to me. He tells me they're big, big rocks and he hands one to mom and he takes one and sometimes we throw them in, back into the rock pile. Um, but that doesn't cost us any money. He uh, likes picking flowers. He um, likes rattle toys. So what I've taken is various containers that we've had. Maybe it's a... Um, sour cream container or a butter container and I've put say a cap from a soda bottle in it and then I've taped it closed and it rattles and there are different sizes and they make different toy they make different noises and he loves them and we were buying it to consume the food we can recycle that item but before we recycle it we can use it as a toy. Uh, another great way is hand-me-down toys. Um, if you have a group of friends, maybe on Facebook, if you, um, 
disinfect if you don't have a local group of friends. But a lot of times people who have children older than you really want their children's toys to either be saved because they're sentimental value or to know that they're going to a good home. So I have a, a group of um, three moms whose kids are between six and four and my son's not quite two. And so they have given me their, um, their play mat, uh, the rattles, the uh, larger blocks, uh, things that their kiddos played with and they enjoyed watching their kiddos play with, but now their kiddos have outgrown them. So they've given me those toys, or if they don't want to give me those toys, buy them secondhand. If you can disinfect them or if you are getting them from a reliable resource. And the reason I say that is because the people who are selling the toys probably need the money for say diapers or something or new clothes. So why not given the choice between buying a new toy or a new clothing item for that matter from a big retailer or buying it from a secondhand store where you don't know the person or buying it directly from a consignment store or a mom, a local neighborhood mom, which one would you choose? A, it's going to be less expensive to buy it from a mom or a secondhand store. B, the money goes directly to your community and to another mom who has growing kiddos just like you and needs to um, pay for the next article of clothing or the next step up in a toy or maybe they're funding their kid's birthday party or, you know, whatever, putting gas in their trucks so they can go to the coast for the day. Give the money directly to them as opposed to giving it to a retailer. B, the likelihood that those clothes have been worn more than five or six times, especially on the little, little ones, is not high. I've been given hand-me-downs where the tags are still on them because they were purchased and then the kid outgrew them. So you're still getting really high quality clothes. And mind you, when my son's wearing hand-me-downs, I have the privilege because I have three um, families with four boys between them to get hand-me-downs from, I have the privilege to not have my son wear anything that's holy or stained. Um, but even if they are, what's a stain when you're staying in for the day or what's a stain when you're going on a hike for the day? And if you can, again, give that money to, to your community, to the, to the next mom that needs to buy the next size up of shoes, why not? And then when you're done with those items, pass them along. Or if you need the money, offer them up on a, a sale platform and that's going to allow the next person who's trying to budget uh, or get that item for less money than having to go to a retailer a large retailer and again the money stays in your community which is um, amazing so toys uh, and also for clothing um, another thing I wanted to chat quickly about is diapers um whether your choice is to do disposables or to do cloth I did disposables um some little tricks that you can do with diapers is uh a 
get yourself a um, hand-me-down diaper genie or just a a trash can with a lid. And if you do something like a diaper genie, don't buy the diaper genie liners. A diaper genie, diaper genie liner hacks on YouTube. It what you'll come up with is um, a way to use your regular kitchen trash liners for the diaper genie. It takes a second longer, but they're far less expensive. You don't have to worry about going and getting more diaper genie liners and they work just as well. Um, but what I really like doing at my baby shower because I was able to curate a really good list of things that I needed was um, do a diaper raffle and we did it with some um, some gift cards things that we were given like uh, say a pizza gift card and maybe a movie gift card and things like that and if you brought diapers or wipes you were entered into this um, and so my family were able to bring diapers and wipes my family and friends and I got to do they got a prize out of it or had the chance to win a prize out of it. And I didn't purchase diapers for the first eight months of my son's life. And then when it came to his first birthday, people asked me, well, what does he need? Diapers. That's <laughs> what I said. And so I didn't purchase diapers again for another five months. So here my son is 21 months old and I've purchased fewer diapers over the months of his life than other people have purchased for us. He doesn't know when he's one that he got diapers for his birthday instead of this toy. And it's something that benefits him. So he got diapers and he got diapers for Christmas and wipes. And in fact, the wipes are a hilarious story for me because I have never, ever purchased wipes for myself. So um, because we have a local Costco, I've had people buy me Costco things of wipes and I've never purchased wipes for myself. Um, but I always bring wipes to um baby showers or, or diapers to baby showers. And if your concern is, is that you will have, um, too many of the wrong size of diaper, as long as the package hasn't been opened and you know where you got it from, you can exchange it for a bigger size or a smaller size. And if you're not sure where something came from, use that one first. So then you know where the other ones came from. So you can go just run in and exchange it for the size that you need. Um, which is a cool thing that a lot of people don't know about disposable diapers is that you can't exchange them as long as the package isn't open yet. Um, so it's, it's a really cool thing to, to get diapers. They're not as fun as other things to buy for, for the people coming to the baby shower, but it really is the most practical and useful thing for, um, for the new parents. Um, the other really big thing I want to talk about is space. A lot of people are talking about, okay, we're having a new baby. We need more space. And I think that there's two schools of thought on space. One is you buy a bigger home or rent a bigger home. So you have enough space for your kiddo or you minimize things. So you have enough space for your kiddo. So maybe you have an office that you use once or twice a month. Maybe instead you put a little desk in your dining room or your living room or your bedroom and you make that office space 
uh, room for the kiddo. Um, maybe your kiddo, you want them in your, in your bedroom and you have a really big walk-in closet. Could you minimize your clothes enough to use a dresser out in your living room and make a little nursery in the walk-in closet? I mean, really, they talk about all the things you need for a nursery. Depending on your school of thought, a kiddo can sleep in a pack and play or a, a yard play area, um, for as long as, as long as they fit lengthwise in it. Um, and a lot of them come with a bassinet feature. So you can have that pack and play right up next to your bed or right near you. And they're in the bassinet. You can still reach them and whatnot. And then, um, when they're too big for the bassinet, you can put them all the way down, uh, and keep them safe. If you look at Montessori schools of thought, they never put, recommend putting children in a crib. You can take, maybe you've got a spare bedroom right now. Maybe you use a crib temporarily. And then when your kiddo is ready to move out of the crib, you take and uh, put the mattress on the floor. That's what we did. We had a queen size bed. Um, and I was talking to my husband about needing to go and get a toddler bed frame. And he said, why? And I said, well, because he, he needs toddler bed. He says, why? And the more I thought about it, it's like, um, because I was told he needed a toddler bed. He doesn't need a toddler bed. He needs a safe place to sleep. So we took the queen size mattress, put it against two walls. So he's covered on two sides. And then I put pillows along the other two uh, sides and then put a sheet over the top of it. We put a waterproof mattress cover in there. So the pillows create a barrier for him. He's all the way on the ground. He's never rolled out of this bed. And he's been in a, in this bed since he was, since he was 15 months old, he's been in this bed he's never rolled out. But if he wants to get up, I don't have to worry about him climbing out of his crib and hurting himself. I don't have to worry about him falling. Um, I don't have to buy a separate bed frame for him. I don't have to worry about, um, where am I going to store this mattress so I can put a different bed in there? Uh, so we passed along the crib and we passed along the crib mattress that fits into the toddler bed. Um, or if you really do want to use a toddler bed, get a crib that is convertible into a toddler bed. There's lots of cribs like that that you can convert into a toddler bed. So then you're not buying a separate bed frame because crib mattresses fit toddler beds. You can literally just move it right over. Um, what you can do with your crib sheets after you don't need them anymore, either pass them along or what I did is they're actually in the pockets of my truck because a crib sheet works really well underneath a car seat. So they're road snacks. Uh, my, my, my son really likes O's, uh, Cheerios. Their road snacks are contained. Uh, it's worked really well for my dog to put a crib sheet over the back, um, the back seat and then there's not dog hair everywhere. So that's a way to reuse your crib sheets. We've talked about simple things. We've talked about putting a mattress on the floor. We've talked about cribs. We've talked about um, uh, pack and plays. There is actually a website called finbin.com. That's F-I-N-B-I-N.com. And it, it's a Finnish baby box. And they've done studies and they 
not only are they sustainable, but they're also um, show a lower risk of uh, SIDS. But you can actually, in some states in the United States, I know California is one of them, you can register for this and they're going to send you essentially the essentials of what you need for a baby, um, which includes a box that the baby sleeps in. I mean, in the past, people have put babies in drawers and I don't recommend putting a baby in a drawer, but it shows that it doesn't have to be as complicated or as uh, consumeristic as what we try and make it with all the different um, gadgets and things like that, that, that come along um, from having a specific type of toy to having uh, the, the towels with the hoods. The point is to keep the baby's head warm, but if you're putting a baby in a towel that is meant for a full-size adult, you can just keep their head warm by just covering their head with it, covering the top of their head, or put a little cap on them. Um, my son's never, ever used those towels. He's always used the same towels that we've got in the house, and he's been no no worse for the wear because of it. Um, you see all sorts of different swaddle items that you can get and you can spend a lot of money on for, for swaddling when the kiddos are really tiny. Um, what we did is we actually took old, uh, we took fabric that hadn't been used and it was um, a, a good decent weight and we actually cut it into appropriate size squares for swaddle cloths and also for burp cloths. And now the burp cloths get reused as rags um, for you know, cleaning up spills on the floor or things like that. And the swaddle cloths get used uh, for uh, lightweight blankets. So my son runs really warm. And in the summertime, even with an air conditioning unit and a fan in his room, he still gets warm. So we just use the lightweight swaddle cloth for a blanket. It works phenomenal for him. And if we need later on, if we need more rags, we're just going to cut up the swaddle cloths into rags and then we'll use it. So we're reusing items that we've already got. Um, uh, one last thing I want to chat about is um, white noise makers. A lot of people say you need a white noise maker and I totally agree with it, but it doesn't have to be complicated. A white noise maker, uh, can be as simple as having a fan in the kiddo's room or an air conditioning unit in the kiddo's room. So it creates that ambient noise without buying yet another electronic item. Um, we've never ever used a white noise maker. Um, my son has an air conditioner in his room, uh, in the summertime and in the wintertime, he has just a stand on, on the shelf fan. It's up on a, on a bookshelf that is mounted to the wall. Um, and it just has a little noise and blows ambient air for him. And, uh, it has worked great. We didn't spend that extra money on the, um, white noise machine. So I've gone through a whole bunch of things. So I'm going to put a resource in. Um, it's at the simplelivingtoolkit.com. It's probably the best baby registry that I've seen, but it's still not exactly what I would do. Um, because I think it is a little more superfluous even still. So uh, I'm going to put that in there. Um, if you really have 
questions. I'd love to hear uh, from you on Instagram. As you're coming to um, create your baby uh, list, I would have, I would say, look at a few things. I would say, um, what can you get in hand-me-downs? Um, what can you pay for by getting it from another mom who needs the money more than, um, Target or Walmart or Amazon or anything like that? What can you minimize so you don't have to increase your space for, uh, the new addition? Check any free resources you have access to, like talking to your pediatrician about formula samples, uh, talking to your state agencies uh, if you qualify for uh, insurance care, um, talking to your local programs like uh, libraries and things like that for what they've got, especially online right now because of um, COVID. If you have a toddler saying you're having another little one, we don't want to stick our babies in front of screens all the time, but if they're doing something interactive, it might be something that gives you a little more time with the new addition. Um, and then uh, I will include a list of things that um, I got when I was um, creating my baby list and, uh, hopefully you find this helpful and that it eases your mind a little bit on the finances of, of having a baby. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Wanting to Wealthy podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you and all of your support. It means the world to me. I would love to continue the conversation over on Instagram at wanting to wealthy. You can always send me a DM with thoughts, questions, ideas for future podcasts, or anything else you would like to share with me. Until next time.